0: Welcome everybody to more than a podcast. It's your host James and I'm glad to be back uh, here to give you more of the greatness. So, as always, let's jump right in. Um, where can I start? So, as always, I was um, on the Twitter community and kind of throwing some, you know, information out there and trying to, you know, talk about a lot of different random things. I I usually like to put my feelers out and just see exactly what the interests are of the people that I talk to. So, um, one of the general questions that I actually posed online, uh, recently was in, uh, regards to, uh, video game emulators. So it was very basic, just, you know, emulators. How do you feel about them? And my goodness, like, the response was overwhelming and not only the response it's you know and one of the things that i that i enjoy is when a dialogue can be formed and there was conversation just going on everywhere and you had a lot of people that were pro uh you know emulators a lot of people that were kind of in the middle and then you had some people who just said you know what no it's absolutely wrong now me i'm I'm not going to sit here and uh pretend to be high and mighty. <clears throat> um I'm not going to uh put myself in a position where I am I'm you know believing that I'm higher than anybody else uh you know it, you know in the respect of playing emulators cuz I have played you know with emulators. You know um way back when when they first started uh becoming a thing. I remember, uh, my first emulator, um, (laughs) my first emulator was oddly called Nesticle. (laughs) Uh, it was an NES emulator and, uh, yeah, they put a ball sack on my, uh, window screen. So that was always interesting. And, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was, it's, it's a technical type of thing because there are components and, uh, things you got to know in order to put, you know in place so that you can play but once you get it you got it and um yeah you can only you know you can only imagine my thought process as i was enjoying a lot of games uh you know from you know yesteryear and i just all i could think about moving forward was potential like man i wonder if they can make this system or that system and around the time in the 90s cuz i believe it was around 94 95 um yeah, I I don't know what system was out at that time. I mean, was the PlayStation out at the time? I whatever was out at the, at, at ninety five. You know, it was well beyond what I was playing on emulators. So, you know, it was definitely me kind of messing around for the sake of nostalgia, um, as opposed to a lot of the other reasons that people do uh, engage emulators. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so if you're listening if you're a first time listener or you know whatnot and you are asking yourself what the heck is an emulator i'm here to help because it's what we do so um you know just real simple answer an emulator is uh basically a uh created software that is uh that its sole purpose is to emulate um a said hardware so Um, It is, you know, it's a program that's built to run itself as if it was a Nintendo entertainment system or a Sega Genesis or an arcade cabinet. So there are various different emulators uh, created by many different talented developers. And yeah, you know, you just when you get into that atmosphere it's like it's so much to take advantage of but it really is fun once you again get the hang of it so that's uh what emulators are in a nutshell and they and again they came out they they kind of originated in the 90s i wasn't able to like really pinpoint exactly when they started so i don't really know like when the very first emulator was like i wouldn't be able to tell you but um but i do know that it was it was sometime around the big uh, Internet boom, you know, like when the Internet became a thing where everybody could get it and AOL was king and people used Netscape and Excite and Napster. You know, um, this was a caveat to that boom time that, that it was on the Internet. Um, so, yeah, so what you do is you know you get your emulator and i'm not you know this isn't a tutorial i'm not going to sit here and teach people how to you know how to go about it i'm not going to give you guys websites and stuff you want to go and emulate you go and you research and do your stuff and and you find out about emulating but this is basically just an open a dialogue um in response to the one that was already going on on twitter um with that said why do people use emulators? So there's various reasons that people use emulators and I think the number one reason is just to play games. I mean that's what you do. You you go out, you get your emulators and it is for the sole purpose of playing a game. Um you know and when you when you really think about it really you know a little deeper, you know, there's there's uh there's kind of you know, there's reasonings beyond just the the simple i just want to play you know like for me i think once i learned like like once i learned that you know emulating was a thing and i started to learn how to do it i i got you know i got this ambition to do something that I, i normally didn't even think that i would ever get to do and that's play things that were more of the of you know of a scarcity you know things that were rare, titles that I hadn't uh, hadn't hadn't heard of. Things that you know international titles. You know, and that that's the case with a lot of emulators, especially emulators um, from systems where uh, you know things were more region locked and and only came out in different places. You know, maybe there was a, a fighting game that only came out in Japan, and you know now that you have an emulator, you're able to play that game. You know, whereas before um you know i remember this was uh one of those big things you know getting systems modded so that they could play games that were you know um from other regions which was a huge uh you know a huge ecosystem in itself but you know that's a topic for another day but um you know it, it you know one of the other reasons uh that people play that you know uh do emulators is because it helps them build up a virtual collection you know it helps them back up uh what physical copies they may have because yeah i mean if you you know and this this is knocking on wood anybody has a house fire and everything's destroyed you know in a physical sense at the very least you know they would have you know a backup of let's say their entire ROM list for the NES, I mean, I don't know why that would be the important thing that you'd grab out of a burning house, but you know, if you if you're able to save your laptop, and you know, you had all that, all you know, all that stuff on there, you know, there's your preservation, and you know, you wouldn't have to worry about, oh, I have to go and buy another, <clears throat> you know, uh, sixty sixty dollar Zelda cartridge, or you know, whatever the case may be. And that's the other thing is that you you really dodge the bullet of of um economic cost with games that are rare and hard to find because yeah those games will cost a pretty penny if you want to experience those type of games but most of the time when people do buy those games they buy them um in conditions that don't warrant a play like sometimes people are more prone to find things that are sealed uh that they can kind of keep keep hitting away so they can sell it at a higher price with uh with you know a little bit of appreciation over the years, um, but yeah, I mean, if you if you have an emulator, you can pretty much play anything. So it, it's it's really it's it's really not that complicated. And again, if it, if you know if you have that interest that you want to experience a particular title, a particular I mean, you know, like me, I've never owned a Turbo Graphics sixteen, so that would actually be a reason for me to go out and get an emulator that was based on the Turbo Graphics because I could sit there and experience their entire library, or I could go out and ask people, uh, you know, what were the top five games on that system, and you know, go and download those. It's it's so many different things that you can do. Um, <clears throat> but what are the benefits of an emulator? Well, the benefit is is that like I like I said before. Um, you know, as, as opposed to having, uh, physical hardware, uh, to use, you know, there, there's really not a compromise as far as, um, accessibility because, you know, if you want to play, uh, you know, a Nintendo game and you want to do it on a physical, uh, format, you know, you have to go, you got to dust off the old Nintendo, you gotta, you know, you have to get a television that is compatible to, um, you know, the, connection method that they utilized back then in the 80s. And you basically have to just get all your ducks in a row before you can have that experience. And that's just the nature of the beast. And some people this day, they do that. They make sure that they have all those necessary components. Some people, uh, you know, I, I believe today, you know, there's there's the function where um, you can transfer that, uh, you know, these these connections and put them into HD format. So that's kind of cool. Um, but for all intents and purposes, when you're using an emulator, you pretty much just skip all that, you know, it's just, you got it all right there. Um, the other benefit is, uh, you can instantaneously have, uh, have cheats. So, you know, they, a lot of the emulators that are, that are available will have the, um, the accessibility of a lot of the cheat methods that we use back in the day, like, you know, people use game sharks or they use game genies or, uh, whatever their method of, you know, um, you know, cheating or, or doing whatever they did. Um, they pretty much have that, you know, connected right into the emulator. So it's just a matter of just kind of turning a, turning a cheat on, turning a cheat off and just kind of, you know, having fun with it that way. Um, but one of the ways that I figure is cheating enough but i still enjoy to use it is safe states safe states is something that is synonymous with emulators uh because what it does is it allows you to uh you know as, as its namesake save the state of the game in motion so if you're uh you know where it's more beneficial is let's say you're playing uh mario brothers and you're jumping you know over the open pits and you you know you figure that you just might not you, you just may may not make it you can make a safe state you can try your hand at that jump you don't make it you die then you can just revert back to save state and try again and uh, you know and you can do that as many times it doesn't leave you can make several save states it's it's it, you know it, it's it's really hard to talk about safe states because because I feel so angry about them because my 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 argument about safe states, and this will be very brief, is that save states are something that I feel like ruin games uh, in the era of let's say Nintendo and Genesis before uh, things became, uh, you know, saveable. I mean, there yeah, we had a few cartridges, on classic systems that did have you know, their own saving features. But the reason that Nintendo games, because people will always say Nintendo games are super hard, and the reason that they were very hard um, is because It was a form of preservation by the developers because they did not want consumers to get through games easily. So, you know, if you took your time with the game and you really, uh, you know, you really invested in the repetition of trying to get better and better, then, you know, you were accomplished. But then when you consider save states, you're really not accomplishing anything because all you're doing is basically rewinding time to the fault where you made a misstep. And then you're just basically doing the the right thing, and you can sit there and you can save state yourself all the way through a level, and completely dominate the game. And you know that that it's, it just kind of goes against the plan. So that's that's just kind of where I I kind of say yeah, it's probably not worth it. I don't use a lot of save states. I mean, I have used save states. I I use save states for games like uh, Symphony of the Night and for uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy seven, um, you know, things where, where some of those, like, maybe like in Final Fantasy seven, there's a, there's a huge point of dialogue and it's like, okay, even after, even if I get defeated, I'm going to go back to the point of the dialogue. And I don't feel like looking at all that dialogue and all this FMV and everything. So let's just get right to the fight. And I'll just keep trying it over and over until I either, uh, I either get over it or I don't. And then I have to actually use a regular save, but it's what it is. Um, the other benefit is you can use uh, updated controllers. So, you know, everybody has their favorite controllers when it comes to systems. Um, but one of the benefits for me uh, coming up and playing with emulators was that, because as uh, one thing that I, I failed to mention that emulators um, By origin were available on um, on computer on computers. So on a PC, you know, you would go and you would make that effort to download, you know, whatever emulator that you were going to use. So in turn, you could use uh, controllers that were meant for, uh, you know, various PC games, and they would be applicable to the uh, the emulators that you use. Now not every emulator had the ability to do that, but I think that's where it became more of a pick and choose as far as what emulators you invested your time in because certain emulators can do certain things. some could run you know uh, with better frames, some you know just had a better uh, a better user interface. some again had you know input, Controls as opposed to using the keyboard because that would be the normal way that you play the game uh, If you didn't do uh, an input devices with the keyboard, so um, It was really it was really accessible Especially in the consideration that you had more than one system that you were emulating you could literally just uh, you know go through the options and set your keys up for whatever system have them saved in so each one of the emulators you booted up your controller was already ready to go you didn't need to go out and try to find a way to make a sega genesis controller work for your emulator on your pc it just worked so um you know that that's it you know in a nutshell as far as emulation and again it's it's for me emulate emulators and roms and games in in the fashion of you know like a virtual existence i have always been a huge supporter of i've always enjoyed um emulating games and again in my in my history and the way that i have experienced them i have always found myself wanting to see how far could i go because again i i started with uh the nes and in starting with the NES, I said, okay, well, if it can do that, then let's see if I can do my favorite system, which was the Sega Genesis. And then once I got that going, I mean, my goodness, I was like, oh, my goodness. And I can get every I can get every game, you know, um, that's when zip file became a thing, because, you know, before it was about, you know, before it was just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to download this title and that title. But then you got kind of tired of just downloading just the random titles. And so you just told yourself, like why don't I just get the entire library, um, you know, all together? that way I don't have to worry about finding anything anywhere else because that's another thing is that, um, you know, like a lot of the developers and a lot of the big corporations, they started catching on like really, really quick that emulators were becoming a thing. And the reason that it became such a big, uh, sign for their intention was because games that they had left behind and really had no life in their eyes were, were catching a resurgence. And as all capitalist corporations think, they were wondering about the money. Where's the money? How are these people playing and we're not getting paid? That came out on our system and we're not getting paid now, mind you. And and I, I've I've heard comments of people saying that, um, you know that people have sold emulators and whatnot. And I've I've never, in all my years playing on emulators, I've never ran across an emulator that cost some kind of money other than hardware. But we'll get into that as well. Um, but for all intents and purposes, it's like I literally have I I have literally found that. You know, corporate hunger is is a really nasty thing. And what what that caused in the late 90s was this uh, this legal, you know, this legal kind of ramification where people were, uh, you know, getting in trouble. You know, people were being served cease and desist. As if they were like creating games based on you know, but and and yes, there are people who will will make hacks and and uh, you know mods for games, uh, but these were people that were being subpoenaed to court over these downloads, these digital downloads, and and it was all it it really wasn't just it the emulators, it was more an encompassment of of digital media because digital media in itself as a thing, uh, was something that you know capitalist america just didn't understand they didn't understand it because because you know peer-to-peer sharing you know as as a function was so brand new but it was something that as a consumer you got it you just got it this person has this song or this game or this uh, movie or whatever and i you know can access this from you know from a sharing network no they weren't gonna have it so so a lot of a lot of times, especially uh, you know, uh, developers like Nintendo, they they really weren't having it. Uh, there was a year, and I can't quite think of the year, but uh, Nintendo went after one of the bigger uh, uh, emulator sites. Uh, it's called Emu Paradise, and that's one that I frequented. And they went after them uh, legally, you know, in court, which is which is scary. And I did have a long period where. I stopped emulating anything. I stopped um, I stopped downloading games. I actually got rid of a lot of stuff because I was thinking like, oh, they can track this stuff. You know, I was still ignorant to a lot of the internet at the time. <clears throat> um, but you know, like now, when we think about current time, it's really weird because that's exactly what what we what we were what we were tarred and feathered for, you know, in the early 90s early to mid nineties, this is what, you know, capitalist America is being exploitive to us as consumers, because now, you know, we have uh, virtual consoles and e-shops and anniversary collections and, you know, uh, You know, online access to libraries, to vault, you know, vaults where they kind of, uh, you know, drip the games out to you one at a time. And the infamous mini consoles. I mean, and this is this is just super weird, you know, like it it really is a reverse on on the head of something that uh, that kind of created itself. And, and and I think that the only interest that corporate America had was how can we put a dollar sign on this and continue to make money? And I I, I know from experience and from some of the examples that I've had, there are many furious situations in the in the respect of uh, corporations trying to emulate emulation. You know, you know, they're you know, like let's take the we, for instance, that's one of the biggest examples of of a uh, digital storefront where they gave the accessibility to buy in to classic titles especially with their ds and 3ds you could buy classic titles and in the wave of their newer systems as they come out through generations we've slowly been losing that accessibility to those games sure. Yeah, you can go and you can plug up your Wii and you have all that stuff sitting right there. But does that justify the fact that those same games are still uh, being sold? At maybe a higher rate or maybe in a different uh, a different kind of accessibility, I mean, like like right now, um, you know, I can play Ninja Gaiden, you know, one. But what about two and three? And there's no answer. There's no rhyme or reason. And those are the things that I think about when I say, man, emulating versus, you know, uh, you know, virtual storefronts like what what's better. You know, I I actually thought I actually thought what would be really cool. And I know no corporation would ever do this. No corporation would ever do this. But I I thought it was really cool. I said, man, you know, what needs to happen is there needs there needs to be a governing body that works from the outside of these major corporations and they need to they they basically need to keep a library and that library needs to be a digital virtual library where they say look this game came out on the NES and in order to preserve it we want to we we want to enter it into this library and in this library it is it is The the, the library will never disappear. It's nothing that needs to be updated over generations or anything. It's its own entity. And for you to go to that central database and say, okay, between, from everything from Atari up to PlayStation 2, I can access all of this stuff. You still can, you can still charge, you can still charge a, a base price. They can split that pie from you know the the people running the damn library to the people who produced the game, so that you can in some way pay homage to those who had created the game a long time ago. It would be awesome if you know sometime in this modern time there was a there was a resurgence of individuals who never played the original Metroid and just thought it would be cool to play the original Metroid, and boom, they just go out and buy hundreds of thousands of copies, and then it just kind of kicks this 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 thing into overdrive. I mean that would be awesome, and then Nintendo wouldn't have to, you know, uh, get, get you know get all in a bunch about revenue that they're losing because it really isn't an argument. I, I don't understand how it's an argument about revenue that that they're losing on uh, games that, for all intents and purposes, they're just obsolete. They're obsolete. They're not drawing any money on a normal basis. They only draw the money when the corporations find out that us consumers have interest and they want to exploit that interest by charging us. They want to repackage it and they want to say, here you go screw getting it for free on your emulators because we'll get, we'll tax you for it real hard on that. So you better take this 1999 collection and get out of our face (laughs) like that. Like that's pretty much how we're being dealt with. But I don't think that that, has any bearings on people as they still continue to use emulators i mean it's still a thing it's probably not as big as it was before and i think i think i i really honestly think it's because like in my case i've pretty much i've pretty much experienced everything that i feel like i want to uh from the from the historical aspect like i i've gone on and i've emulated like I didn't. I I never got a chance to play through any of the King of Fighters outside of maybe '96, right? And with the emulator, when I was able to go on, you know, like I, when I was on Mame, I got to get. I got to play every single game up till they they came to current consoles, and that was only because I emulated it. I, you know, I didn't have a Neo Geo, I would never get a Neo Geo, and I wasn't going to hunt around, hunt around to, you know, different arcades and try to find every iteration for the next, you know, 10, 11 years in that, in that game series. You know, there, there were versions of Street Fighter I'd never played before. There were versions of, you know, uh, of Mortal Kombat I hadn't played before. I never played, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat Special Forces, one of the best games ever made. I wanted to just experience it to see how special it actually was. And that's the cool thing, because regardless of a game sucks or it's good. I mean, even if if in, you know, in in public opinion, a game stinks like I like uh, there was a there's a series, an older series. I don't think he does videos anymore, but he was the angry video game nerd. And I remember him talking about uh, a game called Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and he was he was so feverish in his in his opinion that this game was the worst game ever. I went and I I downloaded that game. I said I and and that's that's the beauty of emulating that right there is the beauty of emulating, because when you think about it, would you ever go out and purchase a game that anybody says this stinks? Like, would you go and put your money down on something that that somebody's just like, this is the worst? No. But if you wanted to try it, you can, you know, like that, like that's that's the benefit that I see with emulators. That's that's the benefit that I see you know, because in public opinion, you win some, you lose some, you like some, you don't, but whether you like it or you don't, you can always give it a try and there you go. So, you know, another thing, as far as my emulating history, um, like I said earlier, I went from NES to Sega Genesis and then I uh, definitely graduated to doing the uh, the SNES. That was a huge one. Then once I once I, uh, I I actually jumped from SNES and skipped everything else and I went straight to arcade because I just said, you know, this will be really, really cool if I could actually, um, you know, play arcade games, actual arcade games here at home. And it was really, really cool because I you know again, playing games that you possibly wouldn't have beaten uh, in any other uh, circumstance because here's the thing with uh, with emulating arcade games. see emulating arcade games, you don't have to use safe states. you just pump in a lot of quarters <laughs> or virtual quarters you can just call them. You just keep hitting that that quarter button and you just let it go to town you put a thousand in and all of a sudden you beat Terminator 2. <laughs> you know like like that is the experience that I enjoyed. Um, if I had to say what is the best emulator, by far it is MAME because it's meant to just it's meant to carry so much. You know, I, I played fighting games on there uh, from Japan that I had never heard of up until the point of looking through, you know, websites and actually find like, oh, OK, this is this seems like a fighting game. And it's just it's just been blowing my mind. Uh, the most complex system that i've emulated was the playstation uh the original playstation and the reason that was so complex was because there were different components due to legal reasons that you need to acquire in order to do so Um, i'm not going to go over those components you go you research you do whatever you do Um, but once i was able to obtain the, the the necessities my lord i mean to play Like I said, to play some of the best PlayStation titles that have ever been created without needing to scour the world for them was just a huge, huge thing. And my next leap in bound was the PlayStation 2. And that was about the time and this was this. It's been a long time since I've emulated. um, And, uh, you know, around the the last time I did the last system that I emulated was the PlayStation 2. And, um, that was, yeah, that was super cool in itself. That was super cool in itself because, you know, again, you, you get, you get to that level where it's like, you got obscure titles that you haven't heard of things that probably weren't as popular, but you never got a chance to really get your hands on it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it it was just, it, it, it was a really cool way to just, have have uh, um, extended experience with a console that clearly went down as one of the greatest of all time so um yeah that that's that's pretty much my experience all together you know from from nes to the playstation 2 that's what i did so that um you know i mean it was fun and i enjoy it and i still enjoy it uh, from time to time i actually just tried to Uh, get a DS working on my phone, but yeah, alas, it's a lot harder than it used to be. Um, But, you know, again, I like to go back to my whole thought on not, not my thought, but the thoughts uh, in the public forum, because again, this was something that as I presented it online, I really didn't expect there to be much of a reaction Uh, But there was one and it was literally a tidal wave of just opinion and stance. And, you know, and what I really enjoyed, and this is what I enjoy about Twitter and what it can be, is that people were very expressive, but in their expression, they were respectful. And that is what I aim for on a daily basis for us to change the world by being better people and by being better people. We're just treating each other better. So like I not one fight, not one fight, not one, you know, you suck for this or blah, blah. Like, no, it was just all informative, great information. So let me share some because I, uh, you know, I had some conversations, like I said, and and um, and. I thought there were a lot of valid points that were made and I want to share some of those points with you. So when I ask, you know, the general question thoughts about emulators, uh, you know, and you know how they felt about them overall, uh, got a guy, uh, goes by, uh, at Tim foolery 91. And he says, and I quote a necessary evil in the name of preservation. Otherwise, Something that should be more accepted when you can't run, don't own the physical equipment to play games, especially older ones. And that's one of the points that I was making. You know, when you don't have um, or you're unable to um, access some of the hardware that you may feel nostalgia for, this might be an avenue that you want to consider. I mean, you know, I get into that frame of thinking all the time, you know, where I think man I'd really like to have a Dreamcast now Dreamcast are readily available and you can usually find them super cheap but it's still in my respect the effort and I can negate all that effort by a few clicks on my mouse so I think that's a perfect point so thanks Tim um no shout out gamer said and I quote my thought is if a game is no longer making the company money and they are not making an attempt to resell it then it's fair game. Games that are bought at a mom and pop shop is not profiting Nintendo, Sony, or Microsoft. It should be out to buy. End quote. And I agree with that as well. Because basically what emulation is, it's almost it's almost in the same vein as GameStop. Just not as cringy because in the way that GameStop you know tries to sell us games that you know we that are used those used games are not adding revenue for the publishers that and and the developers they they're not they're no longer making money they're no longer making money on it right so i think that the same respect that should be given you know and you know when it when it when you consider uh, uh You know use games and their worth versus emulating and what they're worth because why would you know why why would why would corporations be so inclined to find checks and balances in emulation as opposed to finding a way that they can they can get that same amount of money from from other corporations that are selling your games over for a marginal profit for themselves we're not even selling the games we're just we're just going to enjoy them and that's it you know like that's it these people out here making profit on your on your old games so go get them because that's where it matters um (laughs) um one of my favorite 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 uh podcasts uh the lamer gamer cast uh i was speaking with one of the hosts uh simply travis and uh he said I'm mostly against emulators coming from the perspective of a creator. I think you should own the game to play it or play it through an officially licensed source. This being said, or that being said, excuse me, I'm okay with the retron five, which requires the OG cartridge, which technically runs an emulation End quote. Um, I agree with this as well. Um, for those who are thinking about you know again the the more technical way that that uh video games and emulation affects people i think yeah it is cool to have these things available in a more um you know with a with a better sense of liability and like he mentioned the retron 5 which if you don't know um, and I didn't know. I actually had to research this myself. The Retron Five is a it's a third-party console, and it's basically a uh, it's basically a console that has five cartridge uh, ports, and <clears throat> and it's just made up. It's basically made up so that you can play you know games across many generations, no matter what, on the same system. It's just a one-stop place for you to play games. And again, the caveat is you kind of sort of have to be a collector of games already um, which that's not such a bad thing because you know you know there there's one thing as far as obtaining the game but then there's the other thing about obtaining a workable system you know and, and considering that these systems have been built in the, the you know 70s to the 80s, 90s and, and up until today you know there's questionable build quality and maybe some of these systems don't work anymore and then you'd have to go and get it repaired so if you got yourself like a RetroN 5, then you wouldn't have to worry about that if you got a bunch of cartridges. Um one of the uh one of the one of the classic systems that I'm actually interested in um is uh one called the Analog Pocket. And the Analog Pocket plays uh every single I I do I do believe uh every single handheld cartridge. So it plays like the classic Game Boy games, it plays GBA games, and it plays uh, Sega Game Gear uh, cartridges. And I believe no, I don't. I don't think it either. I don't think it goes up to DS. I think it just plays that line of cartridges, like some of the thicker cartridges from from way back when. Um, and I think it looks awesome. I think it's one of the sleeker uh, design pieces of hardware, and I absolutely plan on picking one up it's called the analog pocket and another little handheld that's like taking the internet by storm and i've seen many people uh receive their uh their uh pieces of hardware is the evercade and the evercade um i don't know how readily available it is throughout the world i don't know what regions have it um but i'm again i'm seeing a lot of it in my stream uh and they actually have separate cartridges um with uh, collections of games on them and, but I think the games that they have available, I'm not too sure. I think they are games that are more lined uh, towards the early 80s and kind of the 70s or or whatnot. Um, a lot of Atari stuff, uh, you know, very, very classic games. They may have some of some of the, uh, you know, arcade port- portable games um, that, like, you know, like your Double Dragon or, or Pac-Man or whatever, but I'm not sure, so research that if that kind of tickles your fancy because it really does look like a cool little uh, piece of hardware Um, I actually had another uh, nice uh, comment from uh, Dr. H podcast and he said uh, quote I approve of their use it's hard to get a hold of old consoles and games without losing a limb or two also for anyone that just wants to enjoy some retro games it's the perfect tool And, you know, there there's an amount of that that I agree with, because, again, like I get into a mode where I'm like, I just want to play a little bit of, uh, you know, like I like I can be playing my I can I can be playing the Nintendo NES online and I'll sit there and I'll say to myself, man, all they got is freaking Ninja Gaiden one. I want to play Ninja Gaiden two. So then, you know what, why not just go and pump up an emulator and play a little Ninja Gaiden two and just get my fix and then move on. So, yes, perfect. Uh, Retro Set Joe uh, had a couple of comments and uh, he said in quote um, I feel that emulation only exists as strongly as it does because companies have d- have done a poor job of preserving their classic games for newer generations, older gamers who want the nostalgia I've been doing more real hardware gaming lately and the biggest difference is input lag He goes on in quote, it's not even a thin line on paper. None of it is legal. Talking about whether it borders piracy, because that was my follow up question to him. You know, and I said it's a very thin line between piracy and just self-indulging. And he said it's not even a thin line on paper. On paper, none of it is legal unless you are ROM dumping. Uh, and emulating the consoles and ga- on and games you own, there's no gray area in quotes uh, there. We all we only create a thin line of that of what's acceptable based on how often these things are actually enforced end quote. And that's again, that's a huge thing because uh, you know back in the 90s when they were doing a lot of these uh, subpoenas for people, Uh, based on digital media that was a scary time but now but now all of a sudden you know you don't hear anything about this stuff Um, it's really rare that you hear about people who have been um, convicted of crimes based on digital mediums Uh, you know usually you know you you even have people who are digitally uh, creating sequels to games that they might want to play and you know they'll get a cease and desist from a company like Nintendo or whomever and what happens they shut the game down it's just that simple you you rarely hear about somebody saying you know screw the corporation I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and then risk you know jail time or fines or whatever so i mean it is what it is and and i definitely i definitely agree that you know we can, we kind of create the facade of how thick that line is between you know and that that was that was that's why my follow up question when i would talk to people online about the uh the prospect of emulation and they'd say oh i really enjoy emulators i think they're great and i think they're amazing and my question very clear in following was is it piracy now <laughs> i'm going to be honest with you i i don't think i got any answers back i probably got a few and i didn't quote i didn't uh, collect any of them for quote um but you know like there's you know who creates that line and and is it is it a moral thing to go out and emulate games i mean i i don't know like it's really hard to tell um you know but one of the bigger questions is like should gaming companies be allowed to continue profiting on older ips like should that should that be a thing you know, because I think the general consensus is that when a game is not making money, you know, it should be it should be fair game for emulation. And I know I had a couple of people who actually expressed that as far as their opinion. You know, um and it it kind of it kinda of goes back to what I was saying earlier, you know, it kinda of begs that question that if corporations you know, if they become observant of emulation and then they decide to counter it with like, you know, the like I said, their re-releases and their uh, anniversary editions and whatnot, you know, is, you know, wh- where, where does the fear lie then? Because, because then there's going to be an instantaneous challenge. Because if you get, because if you're out there, if, if there's an influx of people who are, uh, you know, emulating NES games. But then you got the release of an NES Mini. I mean, wouldn't that cause for these corporations to have their eyes focused on the people that are not buying that NES Mini? I mean, like, that's a really serious concern. And that's a part of the reason why my emulating is very sparse, because, you know, like from the from the corporate stance, they are doing a lot of things to res, you know, give a little resurgence to their to the marketability of their older vaulted titles they're doing so much to try to get our attention back on to you know this this older stuff but that is only drawn in by the attention that we have given games that they weren't looking at in the first place like i don't you know it's a it's a it's a crazy circle to run but it's it's one that i feel like if us as consumers addressed it on our stance and our beliefs that they would change how they're uh you know they're presenting their case but you know that's another topic for another day um but you know i got some numbers for you so so and and this this is kind of in this is kind of countering the point of whether emulating is a big deal okay so hear me out here and I sourced this from uh New Zoo. and they say the global gaming market could be worth $159.3 billion by the end of 2020. By the end of 2020, it could be the game the gaming market could be 159.3 billion. That that's current gaming. That's like that's like talking about what we're currently doing with the PS4. Uh, The Xbox One X, you know, um, handhelds are still selling. The Switch is still selling like crazy. And then the, you know, the new uh, launches of the new systems. This is all going to, you know, the mobile games that have been coming out. Like Call of Duty came out on mobile and freaking raked in half a billion in like a three month span. Half a billion. So like, yeah, when you when you tell me that the gaming industry is going to be worth one hundred, almost one hundred and sixty billion dollars by the end of 2020, I believe it. So then the question comes in, where does that line up with how emulate how emulation is looked looked upon, how it's frowned upon? Like, why, why, why do corporations care about us emulating games if they are making that much money? Because how much more money would they make if they focused on collecting from games that are no longer relevant just just i'm i'm just talking like i don't know like like i don't know if i'm being heard but i'm i'm really trying to find the answer i'm really trying to find the answer because it's it's a slippery slope but i do believe that it is only a slippery slope because we are not demanding enough from the corporations based on what they feel like the standard is that they want to set. You know, I feel like our voices should be louder and be heard on a more on a uh, not, not really a combative scale, but I think we need to, we need to reason a little better about what, what, what we want as consumers. I think we're too easily um, satiated by what these corporations want to offer us. You know, be it if it's a bunch of shovelware on the Wii or, you know, it's a bunch of, you know, uh, 599 titles on PSN that release every single week but have no kind of gameplay value whatsoever. You know, like we need to be more encompassing about the things that we care about when it comes to our gaming community and the gaming industry at large i mean these people are making money and it's our money that they're generating it's us it's not coming from you know the clouds we're investing our hard-earned money in order to make sure that they are doing the best for our interests and i think we need to realign our focus and we need to let them know stop messing with us in the response of emulating and playing games that we want to play the way we want to play them and just focus on your your 160 billion a year because that has nothing to do with emulation but that's uh that's all i got so hopefully you guys enjoyed that dialogue i really was very happy to bring that all you know to the forefront it was something that it really did kick (laughs) kick the old um kick the old uh subject at hand to the curb and you know it kind of brought out this this feeling that hey I, I think i have something to talk about with a little bit more weight so uh again i want to give a huge shout out to uh retro set joe uh dr h podcast Lambert gamer cast uh simply travis over there uh no shout out gamer and tim foolery 91 you guys are awesome um really do appreciate you guys letting me use uh your quotes so thank you very much well that's going to do it for me guys hopefully you guys enjoyed um i had a blast um look forward to the next episode and uh do me that favor guys take care of yourselves and each other and i will see you guys next time bye guys